0: hard work having the ability having a lot of free time where we can spend a lot of time in the field being able to go with the flow when certain varieties aren't doing well that's bobby clark
1: of the fur farm in colts neck welcome to over beers a craft beer conversation podcast my name is freddie clark Earlier this season, I mentioned that we were going to go beyond the conversations we've been having so far on the podcast, and this episode is one of them. A few months ago, I met Mickey and Bobby Clark, the owners of the fur farm. Traditionally, they've sold Christmas trees, and they still do. But for the last few years, they've also been growing hops right here in Central Jersey. They invited me to their 2018 hop harvest in early August. They explained that they bring people to the farm to pick hops, and they make a party out of it. Now, in all honesty, I wasn't sure what to expect. They said it was a great time, but I was never big on, quote, picking your own. When I was a kid, my parents took me apple picking once, and my first question to them was, did the supermarket run out of apples? Can we still get them there? Why are we climbing a tree to get apples? Ever since then, it was never very high on my list of things to do to go picking anything off trees or plants they did however say party and that word alone will usually get me to give just about anything a shot well as you will hear it was a great time i enjoyed it and will definitely go back to do it again next year it was an afternoon of hops great beer live music and great conversations with really interesting people we were there to pick hops and i realized in putting the show together today We've never talked about hops and their use in beer. So, hops. Beer has been brewed since the very beginning of our history. Hops, however, was not an ingredient originally. A variety of herbs were used to flavor beer, sometimes even things like bark, soot, mushrooms, or even ox gall, yes bile, that was used. The first written document of hops being used in brewing was from 822 AD when the abbot Aldehard of the Benedictine Monastery of Corby in the Picardy, in northeastern France wrote that his monks started adding hops to their ales. By the 11th century, it was common throughout Europe, with the exception of Britain, they resisted hops for a few more centuries. By the 1500s, hops were so entrenched that they were listed as one of the only three ingredients allowed in Reinheitsgebot, or the German purity laws. Hops are flowers or cones of the humulus lupulus, translating to, and I quote, a low little wolf plant. It's actually in the same genus as cannabis. Hmm. Today it's grown in both hemispheres, between about 30 and 52 degrees latitude. Noble hops is a term used to describe the plants that are grown in four land acres in Europe, and these four have kind of formed the basis for many of the hops grown all over the world today. For making beer, there are two basic classes, bittering and aroma hops. Bittering hops are used in the beginning of the wort boil, sometimes also called kettle hops. They provide the taste. Aroma hops are used toward the end of the boil. They can also be added to the whirlpool or even later in the process. Usually, bittering and aroma hops are two different hops. Very few are used as dual-purpose hops. When you add them after fermentation, that's called dry hopping. The acids and hops provide the bitterness, and the oils provide the aroma. Now, there are tons of different types of both, which provide the variety and tastes and notes that different hops can bring. Do some searching on your own, and you're going to find so much information on the magical plant that is the hop. So now let's get to our conversations. First up, we've got Mickey Clark, one of the owners of The Fur Farm, talking over beers,
2: Mickey Clark. How are you, sir? Doing fine, Mr. Fred Clark. Always
1: nice to meet another Clark. It is always nice to meet another Clark. There are there's a number of us, but you know what? You don't run into them that
2: often. Nope, we're few and far between.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the great <laughs> you ones. You know what? Too much of a good thing is no good. I agree. So, this is an amazing event. Thank and you,
2: thank you for coming.
1: I am out. amazed that the turnout and that since twelve o'clock, you've basically been outsourcing your work. Yes. <laughs> and people are here picking the hops mm-hmm. off the vine and having a great time. Yes.
2: What was the inspiration for doing this? The party itself is the best way to pick the hops. We do it European style, the long tables. We cut the vines down, not vines, they're called vines, which you know. Mm-hmm. And we lay them out. And everybody gets to touch a hop, smell it. You, you create a bond with the person, with the beer making process that you never had before. So now someone can go and say, I like the hops. What does it smell like? How's the aroma? Mm-hmm. How's the lupulin?" Let's look at it. You educate the consumer who's now can ask for the beer and ask what's in the beer and understand it. And It's local, and it's a wonderful thing. And the atmosphere here is all about meeting friends you haven't met before, but mm-hmm. they are your friends. You come here. You stand on a long table, 20 feet long. You pick uh, the binds for 10, 20, 30 minutes. You meet 10 people. Yeah. And you meet them at the breweries. You meet some people actually here. The brewers are here from different breweries. There's a whole different um, a group of people here that you normally don't see in a brewery. Mm-hmm. Here is different Everybody's having fun What
1: got you guys Into doing hops Because You know mm-hmm. I, You guys have been here A little bit You you, you grow other things Trees and such and, and I heard somebody Earlier say I
2: remember getting a tree Here when I was a kid You know well, What got you into being Hop growers as well Well we wanted something In the summertime Okay we grow Christmas trees Since the late 70s here uh, we took over the farm in '04, okay. and we have uh, third and fourth generation of people coming for trees. But we didn't have something during the summertime. Mm-hmm. And my brother Bob, he's been a craft beer. Um, uh, he's been around it since the inception. I thought in the '80s with Sam Adams. Okay, he's been. He knows Jim Cook. He met him at different events before it was even popular. And he's out, he went out to the beer fest in Denver all during the '90s. And we had an opportunity, we started brewing beer, and he said, why not grow some hops? We, we, we had a small test plot. We did a couple uh, rows, a couple varieties, and then we expanded to a large one-acre hop field. We make everything here, the poles, everything is natural. There's no glycemic, there's nothing sprayed on anything. We wanted a hop that's clean. Okay. When we want a hop made in Jersey, it's totally different than a hop from Washington State. Our terroir here is so much different. Our hops smell and taste different. We have a cascade from Washington, a cascade from the Colts Neck uh, Fur Farm, two different animals.
1: Now, is it, was it a challenge? Because I always understood hops like it dry. Yes. Um, like it temperate. Yeah. And New Jersey in the summer is typically neither one
2: of those things. It's very tough. <laughs> yeah. But in the big picture, certain varieties do better. That's why I have a test field. Okay. Different techniques we're learning. Certain varieties don't grow in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. We've learned that. It's fun to have one or two plants of something, but if they're not growing here, then we move on to the next variety. Okay. Certain varieties, Cascade, um, Nuggets, they grow well here. Mm-hmm. You got to stick with growing. Okay. We don't have any of the... In, any of the um, the copyrighted ones, Amarillo and them, because they're all copyrighted. copyrighted. We don't have them, but we're trying to get a, a, a strain here that's growing here that's unique to New Jersey. And, in three weeks jug handle you'll be able to test the beer yes well that's what's that's what's very cool you know that they're
1: gonna take the hops and they're gonna do a harvest ale with the cones and release
2: it like you said in three weeks and then over like three or four weeks of that being released beginning beer will taste different than three weeks later yep it's a maturing Asset. It won't last long. Six weeks, eight weeks. It's all gone. Right. Once a year, it's a specialty, yep. but it's, it's so much different. Yeah, oh, we love it. It's an all-natural Jersey hop. We like to do it with local breweries. We support each other. We're looking forward to doing more with any, anybody that's a local brewery here in New Jersey. Come call us okay. with the fur farm. If you're a local home brewer, we can always spare a pot, for, uh, a bucket of hops for you. And if you're a small local brewery, come see us. Do a small special bas- uh, batch, a cask. We'll, we'll make it happen. And nothing like telling your customers, "I've got New Jersey-grown hops, fresh off the vine, in the pot, and in three weeks you can taste them." Right. It just blows them away, and they love it. And your customers come here, these different breweries. They go back to their brewery. They know what they're drinking. Mm-hmm. They've seen the process. you just educated a person beyond belief. Yeah. And how do you educate somebody in a brewery? It's very hard. Bring them out here. Let them see it and smell it. Talk to a brewer, another brewer. They've got ideas. And Other home brewers come here and, and small batch brewers come here. And occasionally we get some of the big guys here. We'll see some of the big guys. I'll point them out to you. Okay. Some of the cane <laughs> boys are here. The, orgy, uh, the carton boys are here. You know, we leave them big because, you know what, they're, they're doing... 50, 80, 100-barrel batches, we don't have enough to supply for that. Right. We're good for a 5 to 15-barrel place. That batch, that's a great batch size for us. Otherwise, um, we don't have enough hops for the big guys.
1: Now, are you planning on, now that this seems like it's doing
2: well for you, are you planning on expanding your hops? We're working on developing a system of growing them Mm -hmm. where we can take that and then replicate It's all Schedulized You have to have A certain schedule In place We've learned And we're getting Better at it Every year We're we're almost At the point If we can get it Up to speed Next year Then we'll expand Nice Okay The whole idea Is you can't be um, Behind Behind on time Right Once it gets Out of control You've lost it You lost it Right starts in February It ends in October And it's uh, we, We are out here Every day You have to Watch your children grow Right, and that's what it's all about. Nice, yeah. Hi, Mickey, thank you man. It's a pleasure talking to you. Oh, and I'll, I'll be and here next year, this was, this was a great and time. Mr. Clark, it's great seeing another
1: Mr. Clark. Oh, same here Mr. Clark. Thank you, Mr. Clark. <laughs> next up we've got Chris, Pete and Lou from Jug Handle Brewing Company. They were there to get some of the hops being harvested for an upcoming brew they're gonna do. So guys this is your, not your first rodeo here at the hop harvest, is that correct?
3: This is third, third season. Third, third season, we've season done it? Now. yeah.
1: Okay. So for you guys, I mean, what's the draw for this? What do you, what do you get out of this as, as brewers? I
3: think it, it's a, it's just a cool event to come to. I mean, mm-hmm. outside of making the beer with the hops, it's just, I mean, there's food here. It's just okay. a really nice time picking the hops with people. You know, you can get, okay. get outside. So I mean, I, that's part of it. And then the, the beer part is just, just a bonus that we get at the end of it. Right. You know? Okay. It's nice yeah. to do a harvest ale, um, and it's cool that you get to use hops that are grown like right, you know, right. Not far from the brewery, and right. Bobby's a great guy. So, yeah, um, yeah, we've been working with, with Bobby and, and Mickey for you know for the last three
4: years. Too. Well, how did you guys think, hook? How did you guys hook up? How did you meet up? <laughs> um, they actually came to our brewery, and it was like, they were like, "Do you want to do a hot picking harvest ale type thing?" And we're like,
3: uh, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: an easy question. <laughs> yes.
3: Lou has known Bobby for a long time too. Yeah. So
5: <laughs> okay. I can't seem to let that, that go. I love <laughs> kind of teaching people about new beer and making beer and all the things that go into making beer. So although I do it for a living, I still like to kind of get people into it and geek out about it as much as I, I do. It's all right. Nice. And, nice. Uh, he's been coming and brewing with his own hops for a while now. They haven't really been ready. Just, like there's really no oil being produced up until this year. Okay. <laughs> now that there finally is, um, it's, it's actually going to be really good this year. I'm excited about this harvest. Nice. Yeah. So how, I mean,
1: I'll, I'm going to ask them this, but how long does it usually take for a hop farm to... To, to get to catch on so it's producing stuff that, that you guys third, can Third season. Third season. Yeah. Three to third five years is the, year?
4: yeah. Um, yeah. It's
5: the maturity rate. Yeah. Um, so it's like ripe now. Especially yeah. this side of it is Okay, it, it's perfect now. This yeah, is the third year yeah. officially. This is gonna be uh we're actually gonna get a lot of uh, oil out of these hops. It's going to be really good. So
1: now you said you're going to do a hop, uh, a harvest ale with this. So this is going to, you're going to use these right away. Yeah, we're going to brew on Monday. On Monday with them. Okay. Yep. All right. Now for, with with doing a, a fresh hop, is that, it, I guess you're using it in the dry hop? Are using it all the
5: way through? How are you going to use these? Well, we don't have any alpha acid um, readings on this, so we don't know what oil content we're working with. We're going to use regular hops for the bittering um, and the boil hops, and then we're going to okay. probably whirlpool these hops more for the flavor at the very end of the boil, so we don't really pull in any of the tannins out of the hops too much, or we don't want to um, burn off any of the really uh, volatile flavors that are in these hop cones. So we're going to throw them in at the very, very end. Okay.
3: Yeah, I'd be I'd be hesitant dry-hopping with them just because there are bugs on them still. Right. Not, you know. yeah. okay. <laughs> and they absorb
5: a hell of a lot of liquid. Yeah, okay. they, they do. Yeah.
3: Now It's actually a really interesting
4: process, the Whirlpool, because we wind up using the mash tun and the boil kettle together. They're tied together and they
1: both spin. Oh wow! Neat. And they like circle yeah. amongst the two
5: of them. Yep. And wow, that's, that's how
4: pretty wild. We well. uh,
5: okay. Yeah, that allows us to use the false bottom and kind of not have to throw them in the kettle and and kind of tie up the whole kettle with tons of hops and clog up all of our valves and everything.
4: <laughs> I think last year we used uh, like seventy pounds.
5: Uh, yeah, it, between seventy about? and hundred, somewhere in that range.
1: Yeah. Okay. So. So is that what about you, what you figure this year, too? We'll get as much as yeah, we, we can. Yeah, basically, yeah, we, we just went with what we had. more the better. So. <laughs> yeah, okay.
3: Um,
4: but that's part of the beauty of it. We, yeah. we get what we get. Right. You know, and the variety that we get. and You know, it's, it's usually the Cascade and the Centennials that are ready around okay. now. So, uh, you know, those, those kind of drive... Whatever we get drives a decent amount of the flavor.
1: Okay. So, from a local perspective, is, is this is hops from here the first time you guys are going really local or is it something you've been doing for a while
3: We have used local peaches last year we used local peaches
5: in the mm-hmm. beer
3: so we've done we've done a decent
1: amount as much as we can right, yeah, right when you can
5: yeah as much as it's available to you and the season's right right i mean
1: new jersey's not known for
5: its grains generally yeah. But, yeah, but, right, yeah. but more i guess used fruits and adjunct additives and yeah, stuff like that yeah, yeah stuff like that definitely. okay okay We're trying to make this more of a, not necessarily as high of an ABV as uh, J.W. Lee's Harvest Dale, but more in that barley wine, really malt forward um, Harvest Dale this time around. Still accentuate the hops. We don't want to make it too malty so that it covers up the hops, because obviously they're really the star of the show. Mm -hmm. The whole point of a Harvest Dale is to kind of use that fresh harvested hop, but we definitely want to make sure that it's um, a balance and full-bodied and really packed full of flavor and something that... Although, as a harvest element made with fresh ingredients, might actually be able to last a little bit longer um, on your shelf or in your fridge or something mm-hmm. as well. But really excited about this year, because um, this is, like we said, the first year that it's actually going to be truly the third year of the mature, uh, maturity um, phase. So we're getting that actual lupulin coming out of these hops now, rather than kind of just throwing grassy, vegetal-tasting hop cones in there, just trying to say we did. Okay. This time we're actually going to really get something out of it nice so if you're if you're brewing Monday then it'd probably
1: be you'll be pouring what two three weeks yeah I think about three weeks on the
3: outside three weeks yeah that's okay about, that's about right all right um, yeah it
5: looks yeah, kind of like a mild dry hop in there but again not anything that we want to cover up these hops with all right we want to make sure we're using the same type of hops but not anything that's gonna take away from that very fresh hop flavor that he's giving us with his coal cones um, we want to use our, our pellet hops sparingly. Right, okay.
4: Well, and I, I think one of the coolest things about, you know, so in three weeks, the folks that are helping us out here can come to the brewery and taste something that they helped out with. You know, yeah, that I, is... I think that that's really... That know, is great. back to that, like, just trying to do what we can to work with the community and, and yeah. have other people involved.
1: Well, it is amazing how I'm... I'm amazed at how many people are here, and, I mean, everybody's been at that table now for like an hour and a half yeah, and, awesome, and everybody's having a great time and it, you know they can't get enough
4: yeah. And yeah. Yeah. they
1: can't get enough they can't get enough and that's you know I'm looking forward to you know having a beer that I uh, that I picked <laughs> it's a, a little time. bit you know that's great so, so you brought beer today yes uh, what the, in the uh, in the keg there what are we drinking
4: it's specifically speaking
1: Specifically speaking, okay. <laughs>
3: yeah, so say that five
4: times yeah. fast.
3: It's a, our take on a, a, a double dry hopped West Coast style IPA. Okay. So um, it's not not as bitter as, as like the old school West Coast, IPAs, mm-hmm. but it's definitely more bitter than the New England IPAs okay. that are trending now. Right. So
5: uh, snuck a little crawler in here, too. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is our double IPA, too. So we've got. This is the only crawler I bought, though, so this is special for you.
1: <laughs>
5: All right, thank you. This is 4057. Our address is 4057 Asbury Avenue, so we went with that as the name. Okay. Um, and it's a nice balance in between that juicy New England style, um, late hopped Whirlpool edition, heavily dry hopped um, English fruity, estery kind of yeast beer, but still dry enough and uh, malt background Mm -hmm. uh, heavy, so that it has that kind of East Coast uh, traditional IPA feel to it as well. It's a really nice hybrid between the two.
4: Well, yeah, that's that's a good contrast to see, like, the two different styles. Yeah, it's yin and yang. It's definitely, definitely,
5: yeah. yeah. Specifically speaking, it's just a true-to-style, maybe a little less piney than a a Pacific um, West Coast IPA. It is Um, a little subtler. It's got a little more fruity hop characteristics uh, coming from it. But we did use those traditional Cascade, Centennial, all those mm-hmm. sea hops are in that.
1: Well, it's uh, you. It's funny because you don't see many of these
3: anymore nowadays, Outside right? of the yeah. traditional, well, it's actually right. why we decided to brew it, right? Yeah.
5: Just, <laughs> just like, I'm so tired of doing an IPA. It's like, it IPA. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no it's like wow, West somebody Coast. did a West Coast yeah, it it right. like yeah, That's yeah, all. <laughs> like, it just feels
3: like that's all we're brewing now. It's just constantly like yeah. rolling over like the Hopshorn series that we do, and and uh, been working on a session one. So we're like, ah, you know, maybe we should just do like a, a West Coast thing just to do it.
1: I was talking with, who was I talking with? Tom at Demented. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's like, yeah, we don't do West Coast anymore. Just like the East Coast styles. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing to me.
3: I think it's good to have a balance. Yeah, definitely. It's it's nice to brew a beer that's clear. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Once in a while. (laughs) Back to the basics, the old school techniques, (laughs) the real,
5: everything you learned in the beginning as a brewer is like your West Coast style. Right. And then you have to almost unlearn everything you know and do it, kind of flip it on its head when you do a New England style. But usually you're like, oh, there's a little haziness in my beer. What did I do wrong? Or what can yeah, I do right. to get this out of there? Exactly. Now it's like, oh, that's not hazy enough or fluffy <laughs> enough in the mouthfeel. Well, what I I read the other day, at, it was, I guess it was GABF. It was a, like
1: 700 entries in the New England style. Oh, yeah. yeah it was God. like
3: Ridiculous. off the charts. Yeah. It's like
5: yeah. yeah. How do you even begin to judge 700 different beers? It's amazing. You got to get on that wave, though. You can't miss the boat. You know, everybody is doing it. Everyone's trying to do a better version. And since there's so many out there, you have to make yours um, either rotating like ours. We like to focus our our, our uh, hops, our dry hops, on one hop at a time. And there's a couple of complimentary hops in there, but majority of it is driven by one hop. Okay. Um, but it, there's so many to compete with, and it's not necessarily competition, but... You kind of got to differentiate yourself because if you've had one, you've had them all almost at this point. Now people are putting fruit purees and vanilla and yeah, lactose, it's a tough style, and, that way too, because
3: it's not broken apart. You know, we don't use any fruit in our in our New England IPAs, but a lot of guys yes. a lot of guys use fruit. It's all lumped into oh, yeah. one category yeah. at this point. Yeah,
1: Grapefruit, I've seen yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And what else are you guys
5: brewing right now? I'm, you know, I'm going to assume it's not just IPAs. We actually pride ourselves on brewing. Pretty much everything. everything. Right. Um, yeah, we really. Have,
3: uh, well, we do have another IPA coming out. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I mean, not <laughs> <laughs> saying so you don't do them. You can't uh, not. <laughs> but we, we generally have a, a good
4: variety. Mm-hmm. Of yeah,
3: it's a cool time of, of the year too. So I mean, we have a fruited IPA coming out that's got mango and good. passion fruit in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, <laughs> we're getting ready to roll into the fall beers. So okay. Our Roush beer is going to come back. Uh, the coffee stout is going to come back. Um we're gonna do a Marzen this year, which we haven't done yet. Alright. So So is it gonna be like an Oktoberfest Marzen? Yeah, 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 we're gonna do, do yeah, something something along those lines. Okay. We're gonna work on what else will we we got a Weizenbach that eventually will come back. We uh, love so to brew the of,
5: traditional stuff. Yeah. Traditional as well style, as yeah. the trendy stuff. So okay. we wanna try to balance that. Yeah. We like to make sure we're focused on brewing techniques and things as well, trying to hit every style right on the head make sure our pilsners and our any of our lagers or anything really clean is very clean and has no off flavors and that our techniques are really honed in on and we try to keep that balance of like brewing it for the people in the market the way it's shifting now with all these juicy fruity things as well as really traditional styles like a roush beer not really a lot of many american breweries are doing a roush beer and it's probably one of our favorite brew days because the whole place is smoked malt and it just smells incredible in there. Like bacon. And and we have people
4: coming back and just be like, are you gonna do the Roush beer again? Yep. And they're like, yeah, of course. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, it's good to, I mean, it's definitely good to, look, craft beer, for me anyway, was always about the different flavors and trying things that were different. Yeah, absolutely. So it's good to do other things. And and to say, you know, I like craft beer, I like IPAs, you're missing a whole gamut of other beers that are out there, you know? And like you said, this. Fall is like my favorite time oh, of year yeah. for beer because yep. it's like, for some reason, it's all of the, all of the constraints seem like they're off. Yeah. It's not like we have to do something easy drinking for the summer. We have to do a, we have to do a porter for the winter. Right. It's like October,
3: November. the traditional seasons, like spring and spring and fall, mm-hmm. Yeah, you can, you can you know, you're not, you're not classic. worried about, about trying to keep up with, with the counts that are just driving like session IPAs and, and IPAs, so you know, that's not tying up the brew house as much. Right. You get to like transfer into the darker beers, so you can have a little bit of time you have there, right? yeah.
5: So uh, that's my favorite it's time of year. is the fall when you get to do really anything. A Belgian double is great right now. A yeah. uh, 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 nice lager, um, malty beers. You get really anything you want to do. We're starting to brew our darker stuff as well, kind of getting ready for barrel aging, so that when the winter time comes around, it is ready. But that's that's kind of secondary on the on our release priority list. We're more focused on fresh beers like this, you have to pretty much brew this beer as soon as you harvest these hops or you're not really going to get the full effect of them. They'll go bad on you pretty quickly. Right. Uh, so we're trying to brew that right away and then pretty much turn everything over. We have a couple of lagers going and then we're going to use that yeast for um, our Marzen and then we have our Kolsch yeast that we're going to be using for our Roush beer so we're pretty much just honing in on all that, that fall time stuff and it seems like every time we brew something else it's, it's uh, really becoming exciting because it's back to that brewer basic like perfecting your craft not just throwing oats and and lactose in a beer Um, it's really more driven by your process more so than it is just the ingredients and the abundance of the ingredients that you're putting in your beer
1: well i am looking forward to tasting the harvest beer and i'll tell you what how about we do this when you guys release the Harvest beer, I'll come down to the. I'll come down. We'll do the podcast. Yeah, we'll talk yeah, be about you guys. Absolutely, and be awesome. would that be cool? Yeah. yeah. Be
5: Maybe we can get Bobby in on the podcast too. The yeah. owner All of right. The Hop yeah. Yeah. Bobby Sam. and Mickey will come down. I'd love
1: to. I'd love to see the first sip. You know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, we're excited we're about, about it. Kyle Janish is a home brewer looking to take the next step to opening his own brewery someday. He was pouring a coconut and it
6: was good. So you homebrew? I do. I home brew. Yes. Um, how'd you get into homebrew? Um, I've always been, I've always had a connection with, uh, with beverages just in general. I've loved coffee. I loved beer. I've loved, uh, whiskeys. And, um, in college, I always strayed away from the Bud Lights and, and all that stuff, and and always. Fat, and I went to school in Delaware, okay. and it, Dogfish Head was taking off, and I loved it. And my cousin uh, started brewing, so I got my own Mister Beer kit, and it's always Mister Beer. The beer was horrible, <laughs> <laughs> but it had alcohol in it, and it worked in college. And um, then just curiosity hit, and I kept kept finding new things about it and researching and buying books and, and, uh, and got a bigger setup and now kept what are brewing you bre- from there. What are you brewing on today? Um, what am I brewing in general? No, what are you brewing on? And then we'll get to, what Oh, you brew. I'm brewing on a 10 uh, gallon system right okay. now. Uh, which is nice. I do, I still do my five gallon batches. Um, but stuff that I know is working. I do my 10, 10. gallons and, uh, uh, and the system's really nice. It works really well. I, I just want to keep increasing it. Okay. <laughs> There's <Okay>. not enough, <laughs> right? But it's uh, I, I love it. It's it's a good system. Now, what what brings you here today?
1: Like, how did um, you find out about
6: this? What? I met the firm farm guys uh, at a, a couple competitions uh, up in Hoboken and Brooklyn, and okay. uh, and we keep bumping into each other, and the, uh, they're like pretty much the most pleasant guys I they think are. you could ever meet. Yep. Um, so, uh, you know, just kept in contact with them and trying to plan some brew days with these guys because they're making some interesting wild ales and, and doing some cool stuff with uh, just forage stuff from the farm, which is which mm-hmm. I like. Um, and uh, they invited us out to this and cool. couldn't bringing, say no. Are you bringing
1: hops home with you?
6: I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I All hope right. so. I so, love that. So your coconut it's very nice. Thank you. It was very nice, and it doesn't suck. I think.
1: <laughs> no, it, it's far from sucking. It's far from sucking. Um, it can be challenging to use something like coconut yes. in a beer. So how did yep. you approach it? I mean, what did you? What were you thinking when you went in to do it?
6: Coconut's weird. I mean, uh, I've done I've done everything from coconut IPAs, coconut stouts, coconut brown ales. This this is a coconut chocolate brown ale. Um, and, 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 and there's still tweaks, you know, I think there's some things I can do in the mash in introducing uh, coconut into the mash, uh, for this particular beer, I did two pounds of, uh, I got some shredded coconut, toasted it up just so it was browned, not burning or mm-hmm. anything. Cause you don't want any of that. Um, and then I let it chill in the beer in the secondary for about three to four weeks, I believe. Um, and it was just like the perfect amount, but when I when it was bottled and carbonated and everything, that coconut was in your face. I, okay. This is about three months later, and I think it's finally hitting that point where it's melt. I'd say maybe last month it was probably perfect. Okay, uh, it's, now it's, it's trailing. It, it settled in. It's settled now in. now. It's settling in. And, right. and and so I wish I was pouring it when it was a little <laughs> more settled in, because <laughs> that man that was like an almond joy in your face. But which funny some people sh- like but. you never
1: know. Like you never know when something's going to be perfect. Yes. You know, so, so certain beers need time. Certain beers you got to do right away. Yes. You got to drink. You know, second they second they come out of the fermenter, you got to drink it.
6: Absolutely.
1: But other beers, you know, that it, it, it's almost alchemy, where it's like trying to find that sweet spot. You may never know.
6: It's true. Until
1: you do it, and then give it time. So now the next time you know all right well you know i gotta let this sit in the bottle yeah you know let it sit for a month and a half and it's beautiful
6: well you know uh, you know what's interesting i think like Mm -hmm. brewing went into this weird space where uh some brew, you know a lot of breweries forgot about time it was like how can we you know when can we push these out how can we get it out there especially in the ipa world Mm -hmm. let's get it out there as soon as possible drink it fresh right uh I would argue that a lot of IPAs need a little more time that I'm drinking. They're too green. They're too, I, and, and the more, you know, you let it sit in the fridge for a week or two and it's better, yep. you know? Um, well, I wish, and, and I was think funny. that's the same with a lot of these. Time is such a factor and, and you need to keep that in mind. For I sure. was
1: talking, when I was talking with the Jug Handle guys, we were talking about certain IPAs, that various thing. You have to let them sit in for a little while. And I bought three years ago. I bought a case of Dogfish Head 120 Minute IPA. Yeah, it was like a mortgage payment to buy it, <laughs> but, but I bought it and yep. I I put it in a cellar and I let it sit for a while. And I'll once you know because you can't you can't pound those you know you yeah, drink sure. those once you know one. Well,
6: you're not drinking three a night. No, four a night? no, yeah. <laughs> I have a job.
1: No, I'm not drinking three a night. But now and I've still got like maybe six and a half left. Yeah, but that is. Are every they more bottle, locked in? every bottle is better than the last now.
4: Yeah,
6: you know. Sure. So
1: it's 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 amazing how you know certain beers, time is a friend, and you certain beers, it. time yeah. is an enemy. I mean, just- uh,
6: you look at uh, I think a good example is um, John Kimmich up at the Alchemist says yep. he, th- you know, it, it ranges when his heady feels the best, but he says you know sometimes a heady after three four months is his favorite, yeah. you know, compared to right off the line. So yeah. I think there's something to that, and and uh, the beer industry misses that sometimes, mm-hmm. especially you know, and, and it's a marketing thing, you know, it's selling beer right now, let's get it out, let's sell it, mm-hmm. um, which I can understand from a business perspective, but I think uh, a lot of beers time is your best friend yeah. and just letting it hang out and not getting anxious and just putting it out there, and I got anxious, and I, <laughs> I put out this, I put out this, you know, malty, coconutty beer uh, three months before its prime, you know, and it, it was just too much, too, right. too much going on. Well, next time you know. Yeah.
1: So, your home brewing now, is is there aspirations to do more, to become a, a quote-unquote pro Definitely,
6: definitely. Uh, My cousin owns 902 Brewing up in uh, Hudson County. Uh, So I've been learning a lot through him and watching him and and getting inspired through that. Uh, uh, Definitely trying to open something. Uh, My buddy and I, um, he lives in Brooklyn. Uh, We're working on a brand called Overman Beer. Um, And uh, essentially... We're trying to focus a lot on spontaneous mixed fermentation uh, beers that play with time, mm-hmm. uh, but also, you know, pleasing pleasing the beer community with some IPAs and and <laughs> stuff like that and hoppier styles. But, uh, yeah, our plan is to open something hopefully in, in New Jersey uh, and maybe contract brew to start while we're looking for a permanent home. Okay. Um, Which is... Not
1: a lot of people say I want a contract brew. So yes. it's it's very cool I think that that you're looking at that. Because I mean some of the biggest breweries have done that. And that's how they, you know, that's how yeah. you get I mean, Gr- get I would say
6: Grimm is probably one of our yeah, okay. biggest uh, influences just in the way that they were doing things, right? They were releasing their mixed fermentation styles, but then also pushing their IPAs. Uh, so you had this interesting uh, dichotomy of, of things going on there. And I think um, they did it so wonderfully. And you, you look at that, you know, they, they were contract brewing down, I think, in Virginia or something. Right. And then one other place to do their hoppy stuff. So then they were shipping stuff and they made it work. And in mm-hmm. three years, they have this beautiful facility in Williamsburg. And, mm-hmm. you know, you look at that and you go, you can make that work. Yeah. You know, you can make this happen. And I think we would be better off. Um, pushing the brand, uh, uh, knowing people like it, and and doing that, and then simultaneously finding permanent home, mm-hmm. um, it just makes more sense to us, especially because right. we're both working different full time jobs, um, and uh, doing it on the weekends, doing it after work, mm-hmm. you know, making it work. And I think that's fine. I yeah. think it'd be fun. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think so. It's, I think it's a good way to go.
6: Yeah. Yeah. Well, good luck, man. Thanks so much. Right, Appreciate
1: it. Last but not least, Bobby Clark, the other owner of the fur farm. All right, the other Mr. Clark. Bobby Clark, how are you, sir? Very good, Fred. Very good. This is an amazing event. Thank you. This is, I'm having a great time. I was, I, I've never picked hops right off a of vine, and uh, it was a lot of fun to do it. Oh, it's so much fun.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's a bonding moment where people at the, t- at the hop picking table just get together and... You have a beer and a burger and pick hops for a couple of hours. It's something yeah. special. Yeah, and it's
1: and it feels—I don't, I don't know what the right word is, but to know that I'm going to be drinking this—I'm in a, I'm going to be drinking these hops in
0: a beer in, like, three weeks is really cool. It really is, and then we get to go there when they unveil it right. and um, sit down and drink it and, like— um, it, it, it's what we put all that hard work in for all year long. Well, I was talking to the guys um,
1: from Jug Handle, and I said, when we do that, I'll come down and we'll do the podcast from there be for awesome. the unveiling. I, I think that would be very I think That would be a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. You're part of the team
0: now. Uh, all right, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You'll find me out here picking hops on a Saturday morning. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> all right. And, um, and then the band playing in the background yep. with a little some banjos. I mean, yeah. Um, it's just a fun experience, and, and that's what we're trying to do here. Right. Make an agritourism, a fun family farm event for the, our local friends and family. That's what we want to do. Right. So, as, as a
1: grower, um, I mean, when you think of hops, you definitely, New Jersey does not pop for, to, come to mind. Um, what was your thinking behind, uh, you know, you had the farm. You did Christmas trees, you know, you do other things, but hops. Where did, like, where was
0: the genesis of that idea? Just really a, a, a huge craft beer fan. Okay. From the late 80s when Sam Adams was coming out and, and really making a name for themselves. Um, when I was in college at NYU, I, I, I drank shoulder to shoulder with Jim Cook at Sam Adams at the festivals. We were involved in, in that whole, like, You know, If we hadn't gone down working close to Wall Street, maybe we would have went to craft beer. So we did a little detour for a while, Okay, back to craft beer now, have the farm, Christmas trees. Hey, let's grow some hops. Nobody's growing hops in New Jersey. You can't grow hops in New Jersey. Not a lot of information out there. Thought about it for a couple of years, and then finally, in 2015 just dove in and said, we're gonna do it. We're gonna do a test field, we're gonna give it a shot. We put in eight different varieties and we actually had a small harvest. Some did better than others, but we had cones on the vines. Okay. And we were like, yeah, we can do, this. We can do this. the craft beer scene in New Jersey was even expanding more. It almost doubled in two years. So everyone we talked to was interested in hops from New Jersey and um, it was just a fun place for us to be. Since we wanted to be farmers, the Christmas trees, we were really only busy for a certain small time frame out of the whole year. Mm-hmm. We just didn't realize hops were gonna like, take all of our time <laughs> from April to August. <laughs> it's so much work, but days like this, or when a brewery unveils a beer with our hops in it, it just, it makes it all worth, worthwhile. Now how, knowing how
1: the climates at hops normally do well, New Jersey is not traditionally in that bucket. You know, it tends to be places where it doesn't rain a ton, where you get nice temperate, cooler weather. So true. So true. But New Jersey, especially in the summer, I mean, it's, you know, yesterday was 100 degrees, right? So what's the secret of, of growing and maintaining a thriving hop
0: farm in New Jersey? A lot of hard work. Having the ability, having a lot of free time where we can spend a lot of time in the field, being able to go with the flow when certain varieties aren't doing well, or certain things um, happen out of the blue. Like one day we were working all day; it was a Sunday afternoon. At the end of the day, a tree fell down and took out um, one of our wires, and we lost some, you know, the production from those plants for um, that year. Or um, the Japanese beetles will come through and you know decimate one variety or one row. In, in June of when you just being able to go with the flow uh-huh. and bounce with it and and not not like lose your focus and, um, and you appreciate the rewards at the okay. end of the year. But the weather, the weather is a killer. Right. Oh my God. The, the variation. We could have snow in March. We could have 70 degrees in March. We can have like a ton of rain like we did this year. It's just the variation in the weather is just brutal, right. and that's what makes it so difficult. So it's not a set it and forget it type of. Uh, <laughs> no, I wish it were. Um, some of the varieties end up being like that. We just can't get to them, so we see which varieties maybe are are more that are easier to grow in New Jersey, okay. or which varieties not to grow in New Jersey. Okay. Well, which
1: ones like? So which ones just
0: didn't cut it? Um, Goldings are very hard in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, Magnum is very hard in New Jersey for us, for sure. Magnum might be the hardest one out of them all. Okay. Um, Goldings are difficult. Centennial can be good one year and the next year be the complete opposite. Really? So, Centennial is very finicky or just needs a certain type of weather that we haven't figured out yet. Okay. Um, Cascade seems to be the workhorse of the New Jersey and it works. Farmer. It works well. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, so, expanding this, or
0: what's, what are you thinking going forward? We, we've expanded every year, except for this year. We're sort of like reining it in a little bit. There were a couple of rows that weren't producing in our smaller test field. We took those plants out, and we planted a new Russian noble hop called Serebrianka, that um, we think would be kind of neat for New Jersey brewers that want to brew a Russian Imperial Stout mm-hmm. to actually use Russian noble hops grown in New Jersey. So that was something we did. We didn't expand the um, the, the, the size of the field to put them in. We just, you know, exchanged a variety, variety of those. Um, we're about an acre. So um, the challenge is, like, getting the people to come pick the hops at harvest or doing all the work makes it very... Um, very tough to have the idea of a three-acre hop farm or five-acre hop farm in New Jersey. Okay, those are the challenges that you would face. Okay. Now today, how much how much of the
1: hops is going to get picked today?
0: Um, we're going to take a, the bulk of the Cascades today. Bulk of it, bulk yeah. of Cascade. Yeah. Okay. We've we, we've handpicked some Centennial's and Schnucks already. Okay. And um, yesterday we picked our smaller rows of Willamette and um, Tetnang. Um, so bulk, the bulk will be Cascade today, and then um, probably the end of the month. We're hoping to have another New Jersey brewery come out and take some um, of our Nugget hops, which every year seem to be the last ones to okay. ready for us. With um, we're getting some late, late growth in Chinook, so I don't know what's going to happen with those. There's burrs coming out, which we haven't seen like late growth on it before, so maybe we'll have some later Chinooks to go along with the earlier ones, and just to really put the icing on the, the cake. cake. <laughs> what a weird year it's been. <laughs>
1: there you go. Alright, well great, man. I am looking forward to uh, tapping that uh, that keg of Harvest beer with you. Oh yeah. It'll be a lot of fun. It sure will. I All can right, wait. Man. I can't cheers, like, man. Cheers, buddy. Thank you, everybody. The Fur Farm is in Colts Neck. If you brew professionally or homebrew, get in touch with them for some of their New Jersey grown hops. You can find them at thefurfarm.com. As always, check out the blog at overbeers.beer. Please leave a rating for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I appreciate it. You can also leave a comment on the blog or send me an email. I'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas for the show at cheers at S A N T E P H O T O.com. We've got a new Instagram account I'm trying to get going, at overbeerspod. I'm Freddie Clark, and I'm going to go have a beer, but I'll be back real soon with more conversations over beers.